Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And we're back with another one of our patented food reviews. You know us, we are super big foodies on this podcast, and I'm here to bring you a food review. I took it upon myself to try the new Little Caesars Crazy Calzone, is the official title of it. It's part pizza, part calzone. Um, I just want to start by saying Little Caesars is objectively the worst at naming things. I once wrote a bit about how I would go out of my way to not say the official name of their menu items because they're bad. But listen, Hot and Ready is amazing. Hot and Ready is amazing. Extra Most Bestest sounds like a sin coming out of my mouth. But you remember it. I guess, I guess so. And so this is the crazy calzone. It's, like I said, part pizza, part calzone. And the pizza, when I say part pizza, part calzone, what do you think that means? Have you seen this product? Do you know what this product looks like? I have no idea what it looks like. Okay, so what is what does part pizza, part calzone mean to you? I want to say, like, the crust would be a calzone, and then there'd still be, like, a pizza there. So almost like a stuffed crust. Yeah, um, kind of. Um, so what they did is they made like an X. And so the center of the X where all the four pieces align, that's pizza. But then all the part that sticks out, that's calzone. So what? So basically it's like one bite of, so you take a piece out, it's one bite of pizza, and then like three bites of calzone. It's almost like a taquito, but calzone. (laughs) I am now Googling what this looks like because what I'm envisioning doesn't make any sense. Little Caesars Pizza Calzone. Here we go. And if you are in a position to where you are able to, I would also encourage you to look at it. What the heck, dude? As you can tell from his reaction, whatever you're thinking it looks like, it's much wilder. It looks like a starfish. Yeah. The, the annoying thing for me is it's not a circle. That is correct. But it's the same size as a pizza. So basically they removed all of the size of the pizza and replaced it with density. Does that make sense? Yeah. What annoys me so much is how there's not enough pizza. There is way too much calzone. Like you take a piece and you're like, oh, it's like half an inch of pizza. Oh, dude, this is really annoying. Now, I do want to say calzone's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um it's kind of like on a pretzel crust with like a parmesan cheese topping. So, like dipping it in the marinara sauce was very good. It's like um better crazy bread, but like it's a mix between crazy bread and calzone. Right. And so, and so it's actually very very good. Um, but like I said, the size is a big detriment. And whenever I took a bite, like the cheese inside the calzone would kind of like ooze out some pockets. And I'm like, now it's all over my hands and I have to re-dip it. And Rough, like, man. now I have to do this nonsense with my hands. And overall, very good food. 
and the thing is, the problem comes back to the size because it's like not quite enough to feed two people. Like it's not a party platter. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have to get like three or four of these things to like feed a group of people, and no, no one's gonna do that. I think that the annoying thing for me is I already not a huge fan of calzones. Um, and I feel like there's no way this thing is sticking around. This seems have... like a limited time, sort of like the the McRib. And so here's the thing. I think that this thing could stick around if it wasn't so expensive. And I say so expensive by Little Caesar standards. Um, is it less than ten dollars? It is ten dollars. So Ooh, who it's knows, man. it's eight fifty, and so with tax, it rounds up to nine fifty, which is practically ten dollars. I think the annoying thing is like no one's going to go to Little Caesars when you have ten dollars. When you have ten dollars, you're going Pizza Hut. Papa John's Domino's. Exactly. So if I'm going to get like a specialty item, I'm not getting it from Little Caesars. I go to Little Caesars for fast pizza or their Italian cheese bread. Also, That's it. doesn't Pizza Hut have a $10 box? Uh, do I thought it was a $20 box. I think they have both. It okay. might just be like a medium pizza. And like also, Pizza does have a $10 any pizza, any size, right? I think so. Up to two and, toppings. Well, uh, Domino's has a $7.99 large carryout deal. <sighs> Little Caesars. Who, who are they trying to compete with? I don't know. Or are they just like, we're going to make something that you can only get here. Sort of like stuffed crust. Like that's Pizza I guess Hut's so. thing. If they jump, like if we jump on it first, no one else can make it. And we'll just corner the market in something no one wants. So if you want, so if you wanted to hear like a number rating for this, it's a seven out of 10. I think you got, when you do food, you have to do stars and it's out of five. Okay. Three and a half stars. Okay. So, uh, tastes good. Not worth the price. Don't get enough of it. So you can try it for yourself, but don't say I didn't warn you. Man, I am disappointed, dude. I'm never trying it. Um, Macy loves Little Caesar, though, which is so annoying. <laughs> it is so annoying. Um, also, I will say Little Caesar's is best bang for your buck. Yes, However, 100%. Domino's doing the $5.99 for two mediums, that is right there, bro. Except you have to get two pizzas. Yeah. Little Caesars is good if you're picking up something for yourself and you're like, I can eat this over the course of two days. If you're drunk, if you're poor, and if you want it, if you're like, I don't have time to order, I'm passing one. All three of those things set it apart. But if you're not on time constraint and you have two extra dollars, you're not going (laughs) to Little Caesars. Yeah, man. So Little Caesars sponsor us and we'll retract all of our negative statements. Isn't Little Caesars like, that's like from Michigan, right? It's a Detroit company. I think so. I think, I think so. Detroit Lions play in the Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. I, just I mean, made I don't that know up. enough about I sports, literally so. don't know that. I, someone has a Little Caesars Arena. I think it's in Detroit. It could be basketball. We have a friend that does a Detroit Lions podcast. We could ask him. We're not going to, though. Yes, we are. Yes, <laughs> okay. we are. Give me one second. Okay, I'll cut all this out. No, you're not. You're not cutting oh, this out. I'm going to cut out all the silence, Okay, idiot. <laughs> this is our first caller on the podcast. <laughs> Watch him not pick up. Your call has been forwarded. He hung oh! up. He hung up? No way. I'm going to call him now. Two, one is not available. You can leave the last four digits and make him guess. At the tone, please record your message. <laughs> when you finish recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Well, Ben, this was your opportunity to get on the podcast. Um, I was calling you to ask if, um, what is the Little Caesars Arena? Is that Detroit Lions? Is that the is that the Pistons? I can't remember, but don't call me back. We'll just figure it out later. Bye. Man. 
I'm disappointed, dude. What a passive aggressive voicemail. <laughs> Don't it's, call me back. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, man. Now I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna Google, so now I don't even want I don't even want to know. I'm going to figure this out. The Little Caesars Arena is in Detroit, Michigan. Um, construction began on April 25th, and it is the home of the Pistons and the Red Wings. Yeah, basketball. So there you have it, folks. That was our food review that uh, evolved into a phone call that evolved into arena talk. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make you happy, we're about to talk about some movies. So <laughs> um, we are continuing in our Best and Worst series. We are analyzing the movies of Meryl Streep. We watched Ricky and the Flash and Kramer versus Kramer. So if you were going all spoilers for these, if you want to skip ahead to the improv segment, you can go to this time code right here. Time code 4007. So I forget I forget if it was last week or the week before, but you said the thing that I learned about this is the bad movies are always bad. And Boy, did this movie deliver. Yeah, dude. Because it's super annoying because you think, well, this is a great actor. Um, And you think, well, a, a great actor's worst movie is not going to be as bad as a bad actor's worst movie. It's yeah. still bad. And, like, this movie has a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And which when is I see, high, which is too high. <laughs> and when I see a number like that, I'm like, this movie is divisive. This 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 movie probably has a lot of people that love it and a lot of people that hate it. So I'm like, I'm going in with an open mind. I'm hoping for the best, and I was given the worst. <laughs> Dude, this movie is so bad. It's in, this is one of those things that, like, it would be embarrassing if people brought this up in an interview. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with Ricky and the Flash, which you should be, um, Meryl Streep plays like a washed up rock and roll type uh, older woman, you know, kind of like a cougar type character. And what the heck? Sort of like a cougar type character? I mean, like she's like in that age range. You know, she's not like old, but she's like middle aged. Okay, I would have said middle aged. You said cougar type. We're keeping that in. <laughs> okay, We're keeping fine. cougar type character. Okay. Um, she is. They go out of the way. Out. This movie goes out of their way to establish that Ricky is both racist and homophobic very early on. And so I'm like, are we supposed to like this character? And then we find out that um her daughter is going through a messy divorce. So Ricky, after not having been around her family for like 20 years goes back to reunite with her ex-husband and her estranged family to try and help her daughter through this difficult time. Yeah, she's she's literally going home because her ex-husband called and said, hey, she's in a super dark place and it would really help if she had her mom. Like, obviously you and I are in a weird spot, but can you please come back here to support your daughter? Then you find out her daughter is holding deep resentments and everyone in her family has deep resentments because after the divorce she just went to LA and they live in Indianapolis and she's like you abandon us everyone's like you abandon us what are you doing it's um they have two sons and a daughter right yep yeah um and then you completely forget that Julie the daughter uh, is getting a divorce and then the end of the movie just they just talk about a wedding and the wedding yeah. is the main thing her divorce is irrelevant at that point yeah there's this movie has a lot of like family infighting and just like pokes at character at people's character and just stuff like that it's 
I don't know really how to pinpoint what was bad about it. It's just like so much are bad with it, dude. Um, my notes. First note: I couldn't be paid to watch this band perform. Oh yeah, so she's in a band called Ricky and the Flash, which is oh, and the by the way, Ricky of... isn't her real name. It's Linda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ricky is like a stage name that she's adopted into her normal life, I guess. And so she, let's do you know? First of all, the other main member of the band is Rick Springfield. A legitimate rock star. Yeah. And, like, obviously he's playing a character in this movie, but Rick, they, they got Rick Springfield to be in this movie, and it sucks. Well, they <laughs> so also got they, Meryl Streep. I think once people found out Meryl Streep was in this movie, everyone was on board. And uh, Kevin Klein is in this movie, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- so Rick Springfield and Meryl Streep are in a band called Ricky and the Flash. They're a house band at this bar who apparently the only bartender is Ben Platt. Which, sure, I guess. And Ben Platt You might know him from Pitch Perfect. Or Dear Evan Hansen. Or The Politician. And so, Ben Platt, who is, let's be clear, has only played gay characters in his life. Not not really, but he's very... Him being gay is a very, like... It's part of his personality. And so, watching him just be try to be head over heels for Meryl Streep's character. It's like, you're trying too hard, sweetie. You are trying way too hard. This is weird. I don't like it. It was it was really annoying. Um. Also, they are adamant at putting drama on stage in the middle of a oh performance. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because Meryl Streep and Rick Springfield are sleeping together, and he thinks it's more serious than she does, and they I also think she thinks if she's taken, it's going to ruin her persona. Like, these guys need to know that I'm available. And I'm like, what? You're like 55. And so they will be on stage and they will be in between songs or like doing a solo for a song. And then Rick Springfield will just be like, yeah, guys, we're dating. And Meryl Streep is like, "Uh, uh, no, we aren't. And it's like a five minute interaction. On stage in front of people who are paying attention in between songs and it's making everyone uncomfortable including me (laughs) it was so bad dude this thing this movie is top billed as a comedy Uh, because it's nothing else it's comedy drama music it's so bad at all of those oh my god there was a scene in the middle so after so the her going to hang out with her daughter to try to like help Are her you get about through the coffee the, shop scene no oh, um because we're gonna I'm talk talking, about that we will don't worry um so after it's in the middle of the movie she comes back to la and they do like a full set as part of the movie, they do I was two so songs. annoyed by how much full songs we were going to watch. They did two full songs back to back that did not have any relevance to the plot. I'm like, what's going on here? Are we just watching a concert now? Yes, Is dude. It-, <laughs> it was so annoying. So I'm like, it was one of those. I thought the movie was over. Like, no, we were only 50 minutes in at that point, and they're giving us a full two songs. This is nothing. Dude, there was a scene where, um, so there's a lot of, uh, we've said this before, there's a lot of resentment with the kids, um, who are all adults now, like between the ages of like 25 and 30. Um, and they, t- so Ricky takes her daughter Julie out to a coffee shop. 
And they're talking about something that you shouldn't be talking about so loud. Oh, suicide in a coffee shop. And a guy who's taking his like five-year-old daughter to the coffee shop to grab donuts is like, hey, can you guys like keep it down? I'm, I'm like, this is my weekend with my daughter. And like, well, maybe you guys should have stuck together so your daughter doesn't have to go out with just her dad. And you're like, hey man, like we're just here trying to have a fun time. Be like, oh yeah? Well, you should have thought of that before you probably cheated. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, they cause a full scene. And they're attacking just a dude in front of his little girl. And then they're like, he just leaves. He's like, we're just going to leave. I'm not dealing with this. I'm not fighting with two women. And that scene's supposed to be funny. Like, we're supposed yeah. to root for these guys. I'm like, no, they're, they're douches. Yeah. I hate these people now. 100% agree. Um, they, And so I would say that the only redeeming scene of this movie where I'm like, you know what? I'm cool with what happened in this scene is they were out having dinner or something and they were walking the streets. And as they were walking, they look through a window and they see Ricky's oh. daughter's ex-husband. And he's, he's there. on a date with some freaking floozy. Yeah, he's on a date with like his new girlfriend, and the and uh, Ricky and her ex husband storm into this place, and they cause another scene. They're yelling at her ex boyfriend and the and the new girlfriend, and I'm like, you know, although I don't agree with causing a scene, I, I'm glad that you are sticking up for your daughter in this moment. This is that, not the way to do it, but this is also a movie. Yeah. So whatever. So, so like, I, I will give you one singular respect point for this scene. And then they go home and they're like, hey, Kevin Klein, you have weed in your fridge. Do you want to smoke it? And they do, which was kind of a weird turn for this movie. And the three of them are just hanging out in their kitchen, stoned out of their minds. And, you know, the daughter goes to sleep and it's kind of, and it's kind of like a turning point for her. Like it is the first good night that she's had since the divorce. And it's kind of like a good rap on like what she was supposed to do in the movie. And then um, her and then Ricky and Kevin Klein have a moment where they almost kiss again or not again, but they almost kiss and they realize, you know, we shouldn't do this. He's is he remarried or is yeah he he's remarried like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it has been for like fifteen years yeah very long like and the stepmom is like very much a part of their lives um she just hasn't been around because she's been doing work or something yeah, she's like on non- a business trip or something who, like that who cares um and so the next day the stepmom comes back and everybody's like oh. Mo is so cool. She makes the great, she makes the best coffee. She makes the best eggs. She makes the best breakfast. And now Ricky is jealous because, like, now she kind of has an interest in her ex husband again. Yeah. And, and she's been replaced by a person who's better than her in every way, apparently. And then they go upstairs, and uh, Mo, the stepmom, has a very intense confrontation with Ricky that I feel like kind of came out of nowhere. It was one of those things that when I left, everything was fine, and now it came back, and apparently, like, you guys are getting high. Everyone has this illusion that, you know, everything's going to be okay, but there's a lot of work to be done, and it was one of those things that, like, I think where she was coming from is, I 
had to be the good parent and the bad parent. I did all your work. You can't just come in and be the cool guy and bring gifts and whatever. Um, and by the way, Ricky's broke. So they're paying. They flew her out. Like, and she's that like, that was you, you, incredibly, unf- fr- that was incredibly frustrating the entire time because I'm broke. I'm broke. I'm broke. I have no, she money. says, she says I'm broke or I have no cash like a dozen times throughout the movie. And so whenever a money thing came up, you're like, oh, this is about to be annoying. Yeah. Cause they're using uh, Julie's ex-husband's credit card to pay for a bunch of stuff. It was just so, dude, there was a million different things going on. And then the yeah. wedding is like the entire last half of the movie. And you find out it's really not that important. Yeah. And when we say wedding, uh, Sebastian Stan is one of Ricky's kids. Yeah. He it- filmed this movie in between, a, uh, I wrote it down, in between Winter Soldier and Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> like what what are you doing bro you certainly didn't need this paycheck did you do it just to work with meryl streep because sorry granted he i would say he's redeemed he did a great job in this movie but i'm like yeah. you're in marvel now bro like <laughs> in two great movies what are you doing so yeah so there's a scene where like we get introduced to her other kids one of them is gay and you know the other one is sebastian stan and sebastian stan has been engaged for like two years or like they've been together for two years and just got engaged something like that they've been engaged for like four or five months and ricky didn't know about it so that's a big deal and so their sebastian stan and his fiance's wedding becomes the big part of the second half of the movie because they didn't want her at the wedding because none of them really like ricky they think that she's kind of an embarrassment to the family which fair yeah, uh, she acts irrationally, which, by the way, fair. She just and, <laughs> she's unpredictable, bro. She's freaking so, wild. And, so the second half of the movie is Ricky trying, kind of, kind, not even trying to redeem herself. It's just she goes back to L.A. and then the stepmom is like, "Here's an olive branch. We want you in the family's life again," and gives her a wedding invitation. And I guess the second half of the movie is them coming up with the money for her to go, or yeah, deciding if she should she, go. I don't know because the you second find half out of the movie Rick is nothing. Sells his guitar, but the uh, I was under the impression it might have been a red herring that he sold his guitar to buy a ring and propose, but that never happens. No, yeah, so he so just she, sold his guitar to buy plane tickets. I think maybe, yeah. And so now they she goes back to L.A. They do all this, and now her and Rick Springfield are officially dating. Rick Springfield gives this speech about like I have kids and my kids hate me, but that's okay. It's not their job to love me. It's my job to love them, no matter what. And I'm like, you just spent like five minutes talking about how you were a very bad father. You are kind of not qualified to talk to Ricky about this. I think it's one of those things that uh, listen, we're both bad parents. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to relate over, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So they are officially dating. They go to the wedding together. A scene really isn't caused and then ricky and the flash plays at the wedding boom that's the movie oh by the way if you're gonna play at someone's wedding let the groom and the freaking bride know about it like i get that it was a surprise but like freaking when your attendance when your attendance at the wedding was tenuous at best (laughs) you do not get to throw surprises sorry that's the rule oh dude Thankfully, Sebastian Stan took it very well, like really well. 
And I'm like, you know what? I would be friends with Sebastian Stan in real life because his character in this movie was a darling. And they play like two more songs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing? Encores now? <laughs> a solid like 20 minutes of this movie is them just doing concerts. We played. Listen, guys, we paid a how we played a band to come and do this wedding. I'm not having my mom perform. Like what? <laughs> Dude. On the tactical aspect, technical aspect of this movie, the editing is whack. The dialogue is whacked. The directing is bad. Um, there's a lot of scenes that should have had music in the background that didn't. Because for some reason, they blew their entire music budget on throwing concerts in the movie. This movie is almost a musical. For and in, the, in the worst way possible. Yes. And the fact that we're going to have music and we're going to do full songs, but it's not going to further the plot at all. It was just bad bro and the acting was bad dude i forgot dude also meryl streep looks atrocious yeah it's they they tried so hard to give her like a like a stevie nicks type look but it just it it feels like she's trying to imitate like a 21 year old like punk rocker and like and like i guess that's kind of the point of her character but it doesn't work in a way that's appealing it's not endearing it's not endearing also it doesn't look good on meryl streep yeah this is freaking meryl streep one of the best actresses of our time and this movie is embarrassing dude if she gets a hold of this podcast we're never gonna meet her (laughs) we just have to remind her we just have to remind her of the movies that we do like love devil's wear prada hey love it (laughs) but boy oh boy dude ricky and the flash this movie was rough well okay i want to say uh, from what i understand a lot of people know their least favorite movies like i remember seeing an interview with scarlett johansson where she said um you know i walked up to these women and they said oh my god i loved you and lucy lucy's like one of my favorite movies and she's like really you liked lucy (laughs) and i'm like fair lucy was not a good movie dude lucy was bad but it also came out around the same time that a bunch of other movies were doing the exact same thing when that movie came out, if you put a gun to my head and tell me to tell the difference between Lucy and Salt, tell my family I said goodbye. Also, <laughs> Transcendence with Johnny Depp, where he uploads his brain to a computer. Also, Limitless with Bradley Cooper, where he also takes a pill and gets smart. Like, so, it was just a thing that everyone's like had the exact same idea and just executed it differently. So, Ricky and the Flash is a four out of 10. It sucked. Dude, it's a four out of 10, man. It's, it's, it's a, a four bad. out of 10. It is a very bad movie. This is one of those movies that I was thinking Meryl Streep needed the money. <laughs> she needed the money. She owed a couple people favors and they all cashed them in at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Not great. But moving on to Kramer versus Kramer, good movie. Did you or did you not cry in this movie? Um,. I didn't cry. There were several scenes where, like, maybe if I was in a different emotional state, I could have. But, like, there were several st- there were several scenes that pulled the heartstrings so hard. There's the the kid actor in this. <laughs> Got nominated for an Oscar. He's and the you know youngest what? ever. And I'm you know like, what? you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm so used to seeing bad child actors. I saw this guy. He's the one who made me cry. Yeah, he's I'm so like, good. Golly, can I guess? Billy. Can I guess what scene it was? Yeah. Was it the scene like after the ice cream fight where he's like screaming, "I want my mommy! I want my mommy!" No. Okay. It was, it was at the very end uh, okay. where they're like, "Hey, you need to go. You're gonna live with your mom." He goes, "What about you?" I'm like, "You're not. You're gonna see me like every other weekend." Um, and he goes, "But he goes, but I don't want to go. I want to stay with you." And I'm like, "I don't want to go." And I'm like, "Oh." Geez. 
that's not how yeah. it works, kid. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, the scene after the ice cream fight is what really pulled my heartstrings. Just like I, he's trying, like he's trying so hard, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. If you're unfamiliar with Kramer versus Kramer, this movie came out in 1979. It's Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep. Uh, after- this is the Anne Hathaway of yep. Meryl Streep's movies. Yes, this is, is the Les Mis of Meryl Streep movies. This is the I'm in this movie for 25 minutes and I'm going to win an Oscar for this. Yeah. So Meryl, the movie starts with Meryl Streep divorcing Dustin Hoffman. Immediately. They, first 10 minutes. She goes, I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. I tried my best. I'm leaving. They've been together for about eight years. She literally has her suitcases packed. She leaves and uh, Dustin Hoffman's like, wait, what about Billy? And she's like, he's better off without me. And she's gone for an hour of the movie. She's Great. We do not hear about her. She sends a letter. She's not on screen. It's crazy. And so the movie is more about workaholic Dustin Hoffman adjusting to life, being the primary caretaker of his of and his just son. being a good dad, developing a relationship that didn't really have a chance to be fostered when he was yeah. taking work 100% of the time. And this movie's good. Dude, this movie's it, freaking phenomenal. <laughs> this movie's yeah. phenomenal. Because... Uh, you genuinely get to see this character grow. So, um, because Dustin Hoffman was in Rain Man, it made me think of Rain Man. And my biggest critique of Rain Man was it was you you see Tom Cruise kind of like spike in care about his brother. Like you see a little bit of gradual growth, but by the end of the movie, he's like way higher than you think it would be. Right. That is not the case for this movie. You can see every time. Dustin Hoffman cares a little bit more about his son and is willing to give a little bit more of his time and it really like progresses very well right dude um it was it's also amazing because you get to see other people take it differently his boss is like listen man you can't be a mom all right I need you here 100% of the time 20 you know 24 7 you can't this kid needs to be second. And he goes, yeah, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you see his boss literally be like losing respect for this guy. He's not, he's spending more time with his kid than he is at work. And then his neighbor, who was formerly best friends with his wife, now ex-wife, um, be like, you are an amazing father and they're bonding and they have a really cool relationship. That They is, really do. Dude, it was, their relationship is something I'm like, I don't know if I could even do that. Like, that's <laughs> wild. Um, also, this takes place over like two years. Yeah. And there's yeah. no like six months later. You just pick up on me like, oh, this is just another time. Yeah, they will give you very clear lines. Like there's a line where the boss is like, hey, your wife has been gone for eight months now. You need to figure it out. Right. Dude, this movie was good. This movie is so good. If you guys like a marriage story, this is just like a marriage story before a marriage story. It's like um, Big Daddy, but better and not funny. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this movie. There are very a marriage story scenes, um, but I'm like, dude. Also, there is a lot of controversy around this movie. Like, okay. a lot. Because Dustin Hoffman is apparently notoriously bad to work with. Everyone Yikes. hates working with this guy. So Meryl Streep was actually supposed to be the hookup character that runs into his son naked in the hallway. Okay. Um, but the main actress had a scheduling conflict or whatever and got taken off the project. 
So Meryl Streep, who went from a character that we don't even know the name of to the main character, uh, the main yeah. woman, female character. Apparently, he was so threatened by how much work she was putting in. She's like, this line doesn't seem natural. This line doesn't really, a woman really wouldn't say this. He was just like, hey, get over it. Like, you got brought in, do a script. Just read the freaking lines. We're not workshopping. We're not changing the dialogue around. And he was just, I think he was just like kind of worried that a no, not a known name, but like he was super famous that someone would come in and like outwork him. <laughs> oh God. Also that scene where they're in a restaurant and he throws the glass at the wall. She didn't know about that. And she oh. got like glass in her hair. And as soon as they yelled cut, like she stayed in the scene. As soon as they yelled cut, she's like, what are you doing? Like something could have happened. And he's like, I just want to get a real reaction out of you. Also, man. There's this a scene man's when they're a yelling walking at each other. double standard. There is a scene when they're yelling at each other, and he slaps her in the face. And she didn't know it was coming, and he hits her for real. And obviously, they cut it out of the movie, because in the uh, when they're, she's on the stand, he goes, did he ever hit you? She's like, no. Did he ever mistreat you? No. But there is a scene where Dustin Hoffman slaps Meryl Streep in the face, and she didn't know about it. And they didn't even use the take. God, Dustin, get it together. It was bad. Apparently, she got she was in an interview like three years ago. She's like, I'm never working with him again. I've never felt so abused. He never talked to me. He was yelling at me all the time. He questioned all my choices. He actually hit me. Also, I will say, Dustin Hoffman was going through a real-life divorce when this happened. All right. So that's why his character was so real. But also, Meryl Streep's boyfriend just passed away from cancer, and in order to make her cry in some scenes... He would just mention him. Be Man, like, hey. this guy sucks. <laughs> He's like, hey, how's whatever doing? Remember him? And she, he died like a couple months before filming, like within a year. And let's be clear. Meryl Streep's character cries a lot in this movie. She cries in almost every scene. Also, the kid, Billy, who gets nominated for Oscar, he, in order to get real tears, he wanted to like, they rehearsed privately all the time. Like, I want you to, we need to be able to do this. You can't be another bad actor. So he was just like, imagine you have a dog and it gets hit by a car. Like, how would that feel? Or imagine your best friend, like your really best friend. Who is that to you? And he'd walk him through these scenarios because the kids ate in real life when he filmed this. Yeah. And he's like, and he'd walk him through scenarios to make him cry for real. And they would just do the scene together. I, that's a... Uh yikes listen i'm gonna separate the artist from the art this movie is amazing yeah definitely but real human beings were harmed in the making of this movie (laughs) like it was come on dustin get it together it's one of those things that that, like you're not that important he's probably top five actors i've ever seen probably top five worst actors i've ever heard bad stories about like this is yeah bad bad dude aside from like straight up sexual assault and stuff yeah aside but i mean he's He's hitting co-stars, bro. Yeah. He's traumatizing children. This is bad. So, Dustin, man, we gotta... Do you need therapy? It's not too late for that. It's gross, bro. And I'm like, literally, dude, this guy's like up there with Daniel Day-Lewis. He's up... He's... He's... There's... We did best of the worst with this guy for a reason. He's freaking amazing. Actually, we didn't do it with this guy. He just happened to be in the movie... We've watched two of his movies and we liked them both. But I'm just saying, like, it made me be like, man, how much do I really like this movie? This <laughs> yeah. guy's a horrible person. Because there's a lot of, like, you see a lot of just angry scenes with him, which makes sense because he's learning how to balance a child in his life now. Which, when you're working probably 80-hour work weeks, is a little difficult. Right. The first scene where he has to, like, actually be a parent, he's trying to make breakfast for his kid. 
and mess royally screws it up in pretty much every way imaginable. Yeah, burns his hand. The kid's like, that's not how we do it. You forgot you forgot about the milk. Can I get orange juice? It's just a mess. But that being said, dude, the acting is so good. It is. Acting, it's very it's good. It's not plot heavy. It's one of those character heavy things. But like, golly. Also, I'm pretty sure in divorce court, someone's not on the stand, by the way. <laughs> like, what is happening? I feel like this is all paperwork. It's figured out between lawyers and settlements and stuff is sent to the judge, but you're not in court figuring out these custody cases. Also, his divorce lawyer, so it cost him $15,000 to do the case, which, which is, is $60,000 now. Yeah, it is half of his salary. Half of the money he was making was going to this divorce and he still loses custody, bro. Yeah, it's... Ooh, yikes. Uh, the ending was a little too convenient for me. I was okay with it. I, I was it wasn't okay perfect, with it. But because what ends up happening, audience, because we're doing spoilers, is Meryl Streep wins custody, comes over to his house and goes, listen, man, like paraphrasing, I'm a Rolling Stone. I'm not a good place. I'm not in a good position to take care of him. This is his home. I'm not going to pluck him out of an environment he's grown comfortable with just to go spend time with me. I'm going to keep visiting him and stuff, but I'm not going to take him with me. And obviously Justin Hoffman's like, thank God. Oh my you gosh. Can see, you can see that thought process in his face because they hug. And when they're hugging, that's when she says, I'm not going to take him. And his face literally goes, yes. Yeah, but he can't. He's, he, it's one of those things that someone's going through. He's like, I can't be super happy, but he was so happy. And I'm like, you won, bro. You won. Yeah. You wasted all that money, but you won. <laughs> um, other scenes of note, when Billy falls off the jungle gym and he's just sprinting him to the hospital. Like, that was just, that whole, like, it was one of those, like, you know it's going to happen. My heart skipped a beat. And then I was just kind of like on edge the entire time because i knew something like i knew he wasn't gonna die or anything yeah but um but you're like is he gonna lose an eye yeah it was intense and the surgery the stitches you know that was like difficult to watch because he's screaming and kicking the entire time yeah so there were just a lot of like intense scenes that involve billy Dude, Billy. I, I gotta get this actor's real name. Also, it was weird Justin to think Henry. about Justin Henry. I I made this realization about halfway through the movie where I'm like, wait a minute. This movie came out in 1979. He's seven years old, and this this kid is as old as my mom. This kid was born in 71. Yeah, that's a year away from how old my mom is. He's 50 years old, bro. And I and honestly, I think Dustin Hoffman between this and Rain Man, which was like 20 years apart give, approximately. Like he did not change very much. Yeah. It was yes, it's not that crazy. Dude, Billy, shout out to freaking Justin Henry. Was nominated for an Oscar before he was before the age of 10, bro. Yeah, he's definitely deserves it. This movie is good all around. Um yeah, I just I I like it a lot. It was, yeah, this is great. If you want to feel something, watch this movie, man. Yeah. It was, it was great. Also, um, I love like 1970s New York. Yeah. That was this very movie, cool. I don't know if cameras just didn't change that much, but this movie also looked like a 90s movie, like in terms of cinematography, mm-hmm. like this cinematically speaking looks identical to You've Got Mail. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, you might be able to attribute to their, I wouldn't even attribute it to their budget because it was $8 million. So, I mean, it's not a tremendous amount of money. There's also not a tremendous amount of actors. There's not a a bunch of crazy scenes. There's not a bunch of set pieces. But, like, it looks great. It looks great. It's super easy to watch. 
I I loved it, man. I would. I'm not gonna watch it again because it made me feel things. And Lord but, knows we can't have that. And also, now I'm feeling like I'm supporting a criminal, <laughs> even though like it's a great movie, dude. It's, this is I'm I'm pretty okay with separating art from the artist. Like I can enjoy that. It's just my respect for him goes down. So now I got now that I know that it's gonna be hard to watch future movies. When <laughs> I want to say one last thing before we give a rating, and the '70s were a wild time because this movie is rated PG and there is full button boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Because like you said earlier, there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman is like hooking up with one of his coworkers and she goes to the bathroom, doesn't put on any clothes, goes out the door and just like, y- you get it all. You get it all. Right. It's also, it's super weird because I think they also, they might've dropped the F-bomb. Like there's just swearing. So it was weird. PG-13 didn't exist. Yeah. At this point in time, PG-13 didn't come out till the 90s. So um, it went PG to rated R. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's why. Rated R. That's why Back to the Future has so many curse words in it because they could. Yeah. yeah it's just, it was a wild yeah. time for movie ratings. For sure. 7.75. Uh, it's a flat eight for me, boy. Yeah. Not quite an eight for me, but it's very, very close. Yeah. Um, Dude, the crazy thing is we're going to watch this and Pursuit of Happiness back to back weeks. <laughs> Talk about heavy movies. Dude, nothing <clears throat> but heavy. All these bests have been heavy movies. Yeah. Yeah, they have been. Freaking yikes. We're unpacking baggage on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Alex, would you like to welcome back our non-movie listeners? Welcome back, non-movie listeners. If you want to learn stuff about Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> go back 20 minutes. Go back 20 minutes, man. Uh, Kramer versus Kramer was great. Um, we talked more about Dustin Hoffman than we did Meryl Streep because Meryl Streep's barely in that movie. Um, Ricky and the Flash, avoid it at all costs. Welcome back. <laughs> which, unfortunately, uh, we did cost to watch it, which yeah. is probably the worst part. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, improv segment. We got a new one. All right. This one's called Real Life. And in real life, when you have something big coming up, you prepare. You're like, if I'm going to do, I don't know, a speech, I'm going to write it out ahead of time. Because winging it goes bad too often. Just see YouTube. Going off script is freaking dangerous. However, Craig, I have pulled a few scenarios and I'm going to give you to them. I'm going to give them to you in pairs. You can pick one and I'll just default do the other. And we're going to see if we can wing this stuff Oh, and have it not go badly. Yeah, I graduated high school. It needs to be well-rounded. We need to have emotional moments. We need to have like a joke here or there. Callbacks are appreciated. And references are appreciated, but it needs to be well-rounded, and obviously we're going off script. So let's see if we can compete with the big boys. First okay. one, do you want to do vows or breaking up with someone? Let's do vows. You've had more practice with vows than I have, so I want to I wanna try something new. Okay, well, someone wasn't listening to the instructions. You're going to do vows, just do a vow, and I'm going to break up, break up with someone. That's what right. we'll do then. So let's hear what your vow sounds like. Off the cuff. All right. All let's right. see if you can do it. Alex. Yes. Words cannot describe the emotions that you have brought me in our entire relationship. Joy, love, sadness, anger. <laughs> you know, a relationship has its ups and downs. But after today, 
I know that our highest highs will always be better than our lowest lows. And it's because of you that I can say that with confidence. It's because of you that I can stand in front of a crowd of our close friends and family and say, this is who I want for the rest of my life. Whether that be for 40 years or for four years until one of us croaks by an unforeseen accident, I know that it will be the best four years of my life. Now, I know it sounds like I'm trying to kill you, but I promise you, I'm in it for the long haul. Life could not be better without you, and I'm looking forward to that better life with you. That's pretty good. I took notes. So Okay. <laughs> I know this is improv. This is literally the <laughs> I'm but knowing this entire thing. <laughs> um, not bad for winging it. First half, first two thirds, littered with cliches, bro. Littered with cliches. I agree. Words I was just trying to find my highest of highs, lowest of lows. It's because of you that I can yada yada yada. Kind of crazy. I yeah, say, I was just trying to find my footing. Yeah, that's fair. The till one of us croaks, and I'm not. It sounds like I'm trying to kill you. Both of them. Grade A comedy in a serious <laughs> moment. Not bad for improvise. Um, and you wrapped it up well. Not too long. That's another thing is a lot of these speeches go way too long. So long. And uh, I think it did pretty well, dude. That's not bad. Got, uh, yeah. Remember, your vows can be funny. It's not a stand-up set. It's, n- it's really not, dude. People, this is going to be recorded and probably written down somewhere. So take it seriously. All right. I'm going to break up with you. All right. And this, dude, when people break up, dude, people go through such lengths not to break up with someone. And when they decide that they're going to, it's something to think about all the time. But I've never thought about this. So here we go. Um, Craig, I think we need to talk. Um, and I, I want you to just let me say everything I need to say um, before um, you ask any questions. Because I think it's it's important for you to hear um, everything I have to say. Um, I know you know me better than anybody else. So, I mean, you know this isn't good news. And um, but I do want you to know, it's extremely important for you to know that I've been happy for most of this time we've been together. Um, you've been able to make me happy when I was going through a lot of stuff with my family and with my relationships with other people. And for that, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be grateful forever. But recently, um, you have changed and so have I, um, but we are not going in the same direction anymore. And I don't think it's your fault or my fault, but I, I think we're at a point where it's not going to be something we can reconcile. Um, I've thought a lot about this, um, and I, I know it's going to be hard for you to hear, um, that this is happening and I, I know you're probably, I've thought about, is this something we can work through? Is this something that if I bring it up and it's this problem or this problem, maybe we can figure it out. But I think it's, it comes down to the details. There's small stuff that I don't want to change you. There are, there are parts of you that I wish we did a little differently. So this would work out. Um, but it's the small things that I know that's just who you are. And I don't think it would be fair to ask you to be someone else um, just to make my life um, easier or to accommodate me. I think um, whether or not we go out and find other people is irrelevant. But I think where we're at right now, I don't think either one of us are as happy as we could be. Um, but I cherish the time we spend together. I hope we can have some sort of relationship. It doesn't need to be super close. But um, I do admire you as a human being. Um, but I don't, I don't think we can do this anymore. All right. Are you ready for your notes? Send this it. Is- Okay. <laughs> I don't think this is what you intended the segment to be, but I like this. I like this little spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I'm in college. We're recording this in my dorm. And when I, what I reached for to take my notes was a Sharpie and an insurance paper. Oh boy. So <laughs> you would think I would have a pencil and a notebook lying around. Nope. <laughs> 
Now, first, we need to talk. You might as well have just said, go kill yourself. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> also, you spent like 40 seconds setting up to say we should break up. Just say it. After you said we need to talk, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you started doing this thing where you're like, um, I thought about maybe we could reconcile. Should I bring up the problem? Don't second guess. You've already made your decision. But what I did like about it, it was very amicable. Um, you weren't saying this was your fault. You weren't saying this was my fault. It was very like, I've come to recognize that this is not good for either of us. And so I think that's a very good way to approach a breakup. There we go, bro. Listen, this is really not what this is supposed to be. But we're learning a lot. <laughs> we're learning a lot. Because no one gets feedback. When you break up with someone, no one's like, you should have done that better. That never happens. Be like, hey, can you stick around and take some notes? I don't know if the next girl's going to take it as well as you. So if I can learn some things, that'd be great. So I think this has really turned into more of a learning segment than anything else. Well, wait because if you get to our middle segment. Dude, I want to do this again. I have another thing. It's, we're going to run long, but this is fun. Okay. I just want to say, th- what, what I think what this segment is providing is if... You are in an emergency and you do need to wing something important. At least you will have these tips to remember to for your structure. All right. Next one. Do you want to do guest commencement speech at a college or high school? You get brought in to talk to the graduating class or on behalf of them or the election consolation speech. I think I want to do the commencement and I'm going to stand up for this. Hold on. Sweet. Okay, so things I'm looking for in a commencement speech. Everyone has some sort of reference, like 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 a hook or something. Like in 1970, my grandfather went to this college, and he told me like it's a whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, another thing, there are there is a couple jokes. A lot of them are self depreciating, but you don't have to do it. Um, and another thing is at the end, it's never follow your dreams. You need to come like with like unique <clears throat> guidance for them. Okay, you know what got I mean? it. Okay, that's that's what I'm looking for. Students of Arizona State. State University. My name is Craig Wells, and I would just like to congratulate these graduates for completing one of the most difficult parts of their lives. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just want to say, as uh, I'm pretty sure everyone on this stage knows, college is never easy. There's personal doubts, professional doubts, academic doubts, and having to balance all of those at once can be incredibly difficult. So I just want to say, once again, be proud of yourselves for what you have accomplished here on stage. Now, it's time to look forward and see what you can do with the rest of your lives. Now, Arizona State, you know, kind of has a reputation. So maybe the girls of this school might have an easier job than you boys, but that doesn't mean you're out for the count quite yet. I want you to look at all of your opportunities. Look at everything that you've done and see what doors have opened in front of you. And maybe take the doors that you didn't expect. Learn what you've taken from this school and apply that to every aspect moving forward not just in your professional life but your personal and social lives as well you will find that maybe some more doors are open than you think they might be now (laughs) i'm no professional i'm just a podcaster but i think that you guys are at an opportunity right now to do whatever you want and if all else fails you can still move back in with your parents i'm pretty sure so take a breath look around and enjoy the rest of your lives all right, all right, all right. Claps, claps, claps all around. Your vows are better. Your vows are better. Um, 
Um, let's start with the negatives first so we c- I can build you up towards the end. Um, the girl joke was confusing. I didn't know the point you were trying to make. Kind of bombed. Okay. Um, I'm like, maybe they might have an easier time because ASU has a history of being a party school and the girls might be prettier. But I think we were... They do. Yeah. Um... The door analogy was a cliche, and the problem with the door analogy is it went on for a while. It went on for very long, yeah. So if you, I'm like, I'm down for calling back and reusing analogies, but it can't be a cliche. However, good things are um, conceding in the beginning that this achievement is oppressive. Impressive is that college is hard. You had to do this. You had to do this. You had to do this. Uh, on top of all of that, you still succeeded. That's very important. Because when people just accomplish something, there's it is a pat on the back to know that, yo, what I did was difficult and I still did it. So that was good. And then ending with the move back in your parents was very good. I think that was a good way to like end it with lightheartedness. And you also mentioned in the beginning how we're supposed to know you. Because I think there's going to be a bunch of people be like, this isn't Conan O'Brien. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is this guy? He's a podcaster. That's right. That's why we brought him in. All in all, not too bad. Uh, your vows were way better. All right. Let me hear that election concession speech. Um, I'm going to be conceding from, uh, I'm running for mayor of Detroit. Okay. And I lost. Fellow citizens of Detroit, um, is with a heavy heart that I say, um, we, we got beat this round. Um, our opponents, um, managed to just mount what seemed like an insurmountable defense that we had. We fought for, you know, defending against the common person. And I say defending against the common person, defending the common person and achieving what you can in this life while living in Detroit. Detroit is a city that has gone through waves and waves and waves of industry and success and leaving its mark on the culture of America. Um, And just because we don't have this win doesn't mean we can't win down this road. Whether it's with me or with one of you out in the audience who can see the vision that we have built together we will have a win. Don't worry. Just because we have lost this round doesn't mean that Detroit is going to be in a place that we can't come back from. My opponent does have experience. They do have a love for this city. And I know that if we work carefully with them and in tandem with what we see as our goals and what they are trying to accomplish, we can make this city better for all of us. I urge you to think about how we can work with the people we might have disagreed with previously. Um, Our neighbors are still our neighbors. If anything, we need to focus on community. So spend time with one another, learn learn about our differences, and see what we can do to build upon them. I am proud for each and every one of you for coming out today and for coming out to see me and work with me and have conversations with me and talk about how we can make this city better. I am proud of you, and this is not a reflection or a, a loss that we need to take to heart. We need to learn our lessons and move forward, and in the future, we're going to be better because of it. Thank you. My name is Alex Good, and I'll see you in the community. All right. Um, I think you know that you started off really weak. You didn't quite know where you were going. Took Dude, you a I had while. no idea. I think I was one of those guys who was like, wait, we lost? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. You needed to find your footing. But I think you really turned it around and made the second half incredibly strong by focusing on um, the cultural impact of Detroit. I think that was a good thing to bring up. And uh, focusing on maintaining um, a positive relationship, I think was a very good theme to focus on for the second half of that speech. So overall, I think you definitely turned it around after you found what you were going to say. All right, man, I'll take it. 
And that's the improv segment, real life. We have way more scenarios lined up. We'll see those things that you should have prepared. We'll see whether or not you can wing them and things you should definitely not be winging. And apparently now we're giving notes. So if you're doing this for real at home, um, send us your notes. If you're like, all right, that was way better than what Craig thought or that was way worse than what Alex thought, send in your notes. Um, and if you're in one of these situations, take the advice. Just now wing it. <laughs> to our middle segment, a.k.a. Big Break or the Juilliard Audition. Craig, I'm sending you. You keep saying that it's Juilliard Audition, right? What does what, it sound like I'm saying audition? Like ED? It's a, yeah. This guy's making break. Yeah, Everyone I knows am. I've developed a speech impediment. <laughs> we both have. Which freaking sucks when I talk for a living. I, for a li- I mean, I do, I guess, talk for a li- Irrelevant. Craig, I have three speeches for you. I'm going to give okay. you show notes. They're from popular movies, and I'm going with the theme of monologues. All right, sure. We have a villain speech to begin with. We have a professing of love speech. And at the end, we have one of the most famous speeches ever. So I'm going to send you the villain speech first. I swear to God, if the if the most famous speech ever is like a speech from Hitler, I'm going to like... I, I... <laughs> These are all from movies. Okay, good. All right. Um, do you want me to give any context to this? Or um, just go for it. So I'll just... I'm not going to have you guess. I don't think you've seen this movie. This is Skyfall, James I Bond. Mean, this yeah, is Javier. I, it, I just want to say it is at the top. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I included it with this one. I didn't include it with the other ones. But I'm like, you haven't seen this movie. I'm not going to have you guess. Because um, So this is a villain speech. They've captured James Bond. This is Javier Bardem um, breaking down like you and I are not that, you know, different. Classic villain speech. I've caught you. I seem to have won. But obviously, you're going to find a way to break out. Um, but let us relate for a second. So just cold read it. See what you can do. All right. My grind. My grandmother had an island. Nothing to boast of. You could walk along it in an hour. But still, it was a paradise for us. One summer, we went to visit... Okay, pause. Yeah. So I need... This guy is eccentric. He is albino. He's a billionaire. He is henchman. He owns this island that he's talking about. So I don't know. You need to throw in some like... Whether it's an accent or a way you pronounce things or a weird emphasis. You need to do something different. But you can go um, from one summer. Actually. Okay. One summer, we went for a visit and discovered the place had been infested with rats. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorge themselves on coconut. So, how do you get rats off an island, hmm? My grandmother showed me. Okay, very good. I'm going to stop you right there. I need just a little more. Like, what you're doing is perfect. I just need you to crank it up a couple notches. Okay. Um, Just say they'd come on a fishing boat. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorge themselves on coconut. So, how do you get rats off an island, hmm? My grandmother was the one who showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged okay, the lid. Okay, perfect. I'm going to stop you right there. You're giving the speech in a huge room. We don't really have the effects right now. I need you to like echo the last word of every sentence. So I'm not going to do a line read, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, My grandmother showed me. My grandmother showed me. Me, me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Lid, lid. Then we wired coconut to the lid as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut and thum, 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 thum. They would fall into the drum, and after a month, you've trapped all the rats. rats all right, rats, okay, okay, rats. I'm gonna stop you right there. You love rats. You think okay. you're one of these rats. That's the whole analogy. I need you, when you talk about rats, to just take it, definitely crank the character up, but take a second when you say rats and be like, I just like internalize, I am one of them. This is emotional for you. Okay. Your grandma, you were very close with your grandma. She's dead now, but she gave you the story. I need you to be very emotional when you're talking about the rats. 
Alright, action. Alright. Then we wired the coconut to the lid as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut, and thum thum thum, they would fall into the drum. And after a month, you've just trapped all the rats. But what do you do then? Throw the drum into the ocean? Burn it? No, you just leave it. And they begin to get hungry, one by one. They start eating each other until there are only two left. Okay. Two now I'm survivors. Stop you. So yeah. this is the two survivors. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna relate that you're one of them, I'm one of them. It's kind of sneak peek to the end of this. I need you to put as you need a bond with me. Like we're brothers, we're the rats. I need you to emphasize the camaraderie and crank up the character even more and almost like asmr you're like whispering in his ear like i need you to pay attention to this okay. um start they start eating each other all right they start eating each other until there are only two left two survivors and then what still need do you the echo still need the echo do you kill them them, them? No, no, no. You take them and release them into the trees. Trees, trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. More, more. Now they only eat rat. Rat, rat. You have changed their nature. Nature, nature. The two survivors. This is what she made us. Amazing. Us. Amazing. What a performance. That was uh, Skyfall, uh, the villain speech. All right. I just want to say real quick, my audio is blocks. I just bet. blocks. <laughs> All right. So this is your professing of love. I'll have you start with a cold read. Um, give me a second. I'm pasting these into a Google Doc so I can like zoom in on them. Okay. I'm bad at reading. And at the end, you can guess what it's from. It's very famous. I haven't even seen this movie, but I know this monologue forwards and backwards. All right. Well, how about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle okay, above I'm gonna, your nose. I'm gonna stop you. Yeah. I need you. This person's thinking about. They're like they're convinced you don't even like them anymore. Yeah. Like you've you've convinced them that even though you love them, they think you hate them. So I need you to really like listen to me. I'm in love with you kind of thing. Um, let's start with, I love that it takes you an hour. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the person that I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. All right, I'm going to stop you. Um, I think it's it's kind of hard to believe that the this person would fall in love with you. Um, I don't know for what reason. Can we make your voice just like deeper? I think it just help with that attraction level. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. and then uh, let's start from. I can still smell your perfume. Um, okay. I love that after I spend a day with you, Lower. I can still. I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to cut. I need you to go way lower. I think uh, women statistically shown super attracted to dudes with low voices. So let's definitely take it down a notch. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. It's coming off a little aggressive. So I love how you started aggressive in the beginning, but we need to soften it up. She's st- she's starting to believe you. Let's let's go from there. So uh, um, before I go to sleep at night, uh, and it's not because I'm lonely. I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night, and it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. Okay, I'm gonna stop I- you right there. Let's. Can you do a New York accent or Boston accent, something like 
northeast. No, but I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm gonna give you take that shot and yeah, say yeah. it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I'm walking. I'm yeah. Walking. Mm -hmm, and it's sure. not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because. But still low. But still low. I, I came here. I came here. I came here tonight. I came here tonight. That's Richard Nixon. Yes, sure um, is. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> I came. I came here tonight because. When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want to spend the rest of the life to start as soon as possible. Okay, perfect. I'm going to have you do that last sentence, but can you read the sentence backwards? And it's very important that you have as deep a voice as possible and you're speaking to them softly and still have the accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to reverse engineer every single detail that I now have to do. <laughs> I know you've been, your whole life you've been taught to read left to right. But please, read right to left for this super important scene. Possible as soon as start to life. Deeper, deeper the, voice, deeper voice. The of rest, the want you somebody. When with life you're of rest and spend to want you realize... You win because tonight here came I. Eve. <laughs> That's perfect. Eve, you, cut, cut, cut. Oh, that was beautiful. This is when Harry we met got Sally. It. This yes. is when Harry met Sally. 100%. All right. Here's the most uh, famous speech I could pull. We're going to start with a cold read. Don't read it as what you know it's supposed to sound like. I want to hear your take on it. Okay. Give me a second. Okay. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have any money. But what I do have are a very... <laughs> i'm gonna stop you right there i need you to be emotional like do you know how in some movies are like oh you picked the wrong guy i need you to be like you picked the right guy because although you may have a particular set of skills you're in a very sensitive spot in your life and you can you're barely holding on i need you to be like one word away from tears start from okay. the top i don't know who you are I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. <laughs> skills I have acquired over a very long career. Okay, okay, stop. I want you to say when you get to, if you let my daughter go, you're breaking down. Okay. Uh, start from, uh, but what I do have. But what I do have are a very, a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you and I will kill you. Beautiful. Loved it. Everyone. Wow, I think I think we're all in agreement. You got the part. You landed it. No one's actually done that approach before. So amazing yeah. job. Listen, I'm honed in my craft. That was Big Break slash Juilliard audition. Easy peasy lemon squeeze. What you got for the one hit wonder, Craig? Um, I don't really have a good title for this, but I just wanted us to look at where everyone knows that we are in an era. We've always been in an era. It's just more prevalent now of remakes dominating the market. So. I want to look through some movies that 
I think are prime remake bait. And I want to see if you think that this movie deserves a remake or if it's cool where it is. Okay. So these are all like older movies then probably. Yeah. Like I'm focusing on like a 90s era. Okay. Sweet. Uh, uh, So what about, let's start with a pretty simple one. What about Clueless? Do you think Clueless needs a remake? Um, no, I think Clueless is very good where it's at. Let's not mess around with that one. Uh, what about Mean Girls? Does Mean Girls need a remake? Okay, here's the thing. I think Mean Girls, if it's gonna do, if we're gonna do a remake, we need to bring the entire cast back. Do do we need to bring the entire cast back, or do we just need it to be modernized? I don't think it needs to be modernized. I think we're close enough. Like everyone has seen it, and it still feels relatively new. Um, so if we could bring the cast back for kind of like a reunion. Like, same problem, same people, different environment. I think that could work. Okay. Like, Uh, Lindsay Lohan. Like, what? Rachel McAdams? This would be freaking killer, bro. Amy Poehler? It'd be be nuts. We could totally do it. All right. uh, Do we need a remake of... Uh, Emma Stone's Easy A. No, <laughs> Why because not? It's, it's it's not good where it was, and we have no reason to bring it back. Uh, do we need a remake of Adam Sandler's The Wedding Singer? Yes, one hundred percent. Now, here's the thing: a lot of people think Adam Sandler, like his movies, are sacred. They're not. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, they're funny, man. He's, there's something about him that just captures it. We can completely recast that movie, call it The Wedding Singer. People won't even know he did the movie first. Yeah, it's gonna reach new people who aren't like Adam Sandler stands. If we, who do you think? Would, I have a name in mind. I'm thinking like Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. We could totally do that. It, dude, people would watch it not having any idea it was a remake. Yeah, 100%. What about uh, Wedding Crashers? No, I think it's a staple. It's a classic. It's one of those things we definitely shouldn't mess with. People get uh, salty, dude. Um, And let's just do a few more. How about uh, Amanda Bynes? Well, actually, no. That one did actually get remade. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we need a new Princess Diaries? Um, I get this. What's uh, Who's in this movie? This is the Anne Hathaway one. I get this one mixed up with um, Indigo Princess, Mont- Princess Bride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Princess Diaries can 100% get remade and just make her like the older mentor. Like I went through something. This is like stupid, like coming of age. It's not going to make nearly as much money as the first one, but just market it as like Princess Diaries 4 or whatever. And then just have her coach the new person. As long as it's not like a freaking TikToker. (laughs) Uh, Last but not least, does Grease need a remake? Yes. Grease needs a remake. With high schoolers. With actual high schoolers. And it needs to be real clicks of now. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. It is obviously not going to be. It can't be sports related because Greasers weren't sports related. It's got to be that bad boy. Whatever that bad boy looks like now, that's what we need to do. Whatever the, the pink ladies are now. That's what we need to do. And then <laughs> do the gre- be- <laughs> Wait, do the greasers need to be e-boys? <laughs> I don't think it's got to be like, what's the, I wouldn't say drug use, probably more gangster related. Okay. Also, we're getting all new music except for like Summer Lovin', Grease Lightning. So it sounds like you kind of want to approach it from like a punk rock angle. Yeah. We'll, sure. we'll keep two or three songs. We'll do like new additions on them or even like like an R&B. Like we could just straight up just make them like all the greasers black. Okay. And be like, we're dangerous. People don't mess with well, us. Well, be careful. If you do that, people are going to think it's political. Oh, it is. <laughs> and then the pink ladies are going to be a bunch of white girls. It, it could be mixed, but mostly white who are like falling in love with black dudes. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And that's like, it's going to be freaking, that's, 
that's gonna be that like that rift that was like what do you do did you see was she that awesome be like dude you gotta freaking try white girls out it's freaking awesome you gotta try white girls that's uh that's the tagline on the poster yeah and then we're still doing grease lightning <laughs> obviously still around a car but the car is like I don't know what it is it could be like an old muscle car that someone's been working on for yeah, a while like a 90s muscle car that would be sick like a Trans Am or like a uh, like a Monte Carlo rims super nice interior that's what they're working on and they do end up racing someone else we could totally redo it but the music's got to be good they all have to be high schoolers okay most important question does the car still fly at the end for no reason no (laughs) absolutely not we can still do that it won't be a fair it'll probably be like a concert or something sure or like a rave or like yeah something different because no one has freaking fairs anymore. Um, but we'll do something, or like a pep rally, something at the end of the school year that everyone's going to. And then we'll still do that final dance number. All right, we can keep that one too. There's like three or four staples of Greece that we have to keep in. So we'll keep that sure. one. Um, we'll just put like R&B hip hop twist on it or something. Um, still having crazy dance numbers, um, but the car's not flying away. Yeah, you're pretty invested in this Greece remake. Dude, I think we got to start penning it. Bro. This would be so good. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a remake review. I came up with the name in the middle. So <laughs> that's our one hit wonder. It's never coming back. Uh, Alex, have you been watching anything else? I saw Reminiscent with Hugh Jackman. Did you make it to the end of the movie? Whole thing. Watch the whole thing. If we're giving reviews, it's a four. Yeah. Four, I'll I give ma- it a four. I'll give it a four and a half. I got it about halfway through. I got about halfway through and I'm like, I get it. I get it's it. bad, dude. It The ending is somewhat unexpected. Um... Listeners, it's not something you've never heard before. It's a guy who can access people's memories and people use it for different reasons. Like uh, one of his patients has a kid that died. And he wants to spend extra time with them. One of his uh, patients has like PTSD and wants to remember a time when it was just him and his dog. Another person's like, I lost my keys. Can you help me find my keys? So everyone's using it differently. It it takes place in a dystopian area era in the future when it's in Miami, but obviously Miami's flooded from global warming. That's so not important. They just try to come up with a cool so place for the thing important. to take place. It's so annoying. And they've invented a whole world, but they didn't invest a whole lot in the world building. So it's not relevant to the story. That was, that was kind of what in took the me future. out of it. It's just in the future and none of the stuff is relevant. It's super annoying. So, because, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's bad. It's very bad. Um, all right. Would you like to hear about the movie I watched or the game I played? We're going to talk about both. Which one do you want to hear first? Uh, movie first. All right. I watched Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Kate on Netflix, and it was also not good. <sighs> Bro. It was, it wanted to be John Wick so bad, but it spent too much time being boring. So the premise is like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, her name is Kate. She's an assassin. She gets poisoned and she has 24 hours before she dies to basically take revenge on the people that killed her. And then she spends so much time just talking to a girl, like a 15 year old girl that I'm like, what's happening? It's nothing. There were a lot of really cool action scenes and the action scenes saved what was interesting about this movie but so much of it was boring i wish there was more action flat six you could do so much better you know six it could be worse yeah it definitely could have been worse the actions like there's a scene where she like reloads her gun on a dude's face and i'm like all right that's pretty cool That's pretty cool. But that's unfortunately the best it gets. Um, Now, I did finish Kingdom Hearts. Um, You were, we were talking while I was playing the final boss. Um, (laughs) 
the part that I was at when we were playing, I had like three more stages of a boss fight after that before I beat Good the game. Grief, <laughs> Luckily, the rest of the boss fights were a lot easier than the one I was stuck on. But holy crap, it's one of those games where I enjoyed it, but I would be able to bet every single dollar that I make for the rest of my life that you would not be able to finish that game <laughs> if your life depended on it. Oh, it is dude. so video gamey. It is so JRPG that you would have a conniption. You would have a literal brain aneurysm caused by this game. But I had fun. It was good. And then <laughs> but, I, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but uh, I immediately played the next game because I bought it in like a package. And the next game is so very much a spin-off game. It hurts. It's called the... Reach. Okay, it's called so Reach. Rechain of Memories. Um. And, like, instead of just, like, normal sword combat, you have, like, cards in a deck. And if your card is higher than their card, then your attack goes. But if it's not, it doesn't. And, like, all of your support characters are on cards. And I'm like, this, stop it. No, incorrect. This is bad. But, yeah, that's been my gaming journey recently. Freaking yikes. How do you pick these games? Uh, I've heard everybody and their mother talk about Kingdom Hearts. And when Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, everybody was super excited to play it. So I'm like, it's on sale. Why not? So, I, you know, I wanted to give it a shot. It's such a staple in the gaming community that yeah. the fact that I hadn't played it, I, I just wanted to remedy that. Yeah, I played the second one. But it, it was, it's cool for, like, pure Disney nostalgia. But I'm not super into it. It. yeah it's super uh it, it's it's gotta be your thing you gotta be real invested in it um what, are, what if you had to give it a rating like a seven seven point two it's good but like yeah. i'm not losing sleep over it nice all dude. right next week is our final week in the best and worst we are focusing on will smith we are his worst movie is wild wild west and his best movie is pursuit of happiness so buckle in for that one bro nothing but emotions for every one of these movies so I think we've all seen Pursuit of Happiness. It's been out for long enough. It's a freaking go-to tearjerker. Um, so it's not going to be something we haven't seen before. It's just a matter of when's the last time you saw it. So yeah. freaking hunker down, audience. <laughs> it's going to be right. a deep one. Do you have anything else? That's it, man. All right. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.